This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. And we're back here on the show talking more about the USC Trojan football team. We're almost to National Letter of Intent Day, Wednesday uh, of this week. So we're recording this on Monday, uh, January 31st. Wednesday the 2nd is actually uh, National Signing Day, the traditional National Signing Day. Um, so we'll see. It's probably going to be a quiet one, mostly for USC, but you know there could be some movement going on there. We got to talk about the Caleb Williams situation. Uh, the last day, what we're told to enroll at USC uh, was on Friday. We still don't have an announcement from Caleb Williams, and it's just kind of quiet out there. So we're going to talk to uh, Coach Harvey Hyde uh, all about that. He's on the show today. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. Maybe a little NFL football, another exciting weekend. Uh, nice to see uh, Robert Woods embracing with Cooper Cup after the Rams defeated the 49ers uh, at SoFi Stadium. And the Super Bowl, of course, is going to be here in Los Angeles at SoFi. So that'll be kind of cool, too. If you have any questions or comments for the show, please email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. That's the email address. Or you could call or text us at 424-254-9141. If you have the uh, any of the podcasting apps out there, please follow us and leave us a five-star rating and review really helps to uh, grow the show. You can do that over on the Apple Podcasting app. And now on Spotify, you can leave us a, a rating. So if you're listening on Spotify, please leave us a five-star rating. We would really appreciate that. And we always appreciate talking to the coach, Harvey Hyde. He is on the line right now. Coach, how are you doing, sir? Ryan, I'm doing great. I'll tell you what, what a great, uh, as you mentioned a moment ago, NFL football, the playoffs have been unbelievable. Now we have two weeks, and I like the two-week break to sort of get – Accustomed to uh, the final NFL game of the year, uh, of course you got the Pro Bowl this weekend in Las Vegas, and then uh, I think one of the biggest days that I always look forward to—I don't know if you did or all our listeners did—was National Letter of Intent. I liked it when it used to be a huge day, the first uh, Wednesday in February, where everybody knew who was going where, and people, if they wanted to change their minds, could change their minds and. You really didn't know what what was coming across the the uh, t- uh, the uh, fax uh, fax machine with a signed signature. I thought it was exciting, and you watched ESPN and you listen to all these shows. And I used to do a show on ESPN every Wednesday or the signing date uh, with the with Gary Paskowitz. I think it was Gary Paskowitz, I and somebody else from ESPN. And we used to do that and call us the signees, call the players that had signed and ask them why they signed and all of this and that. It was huge. I don't like this early signing period. I don't know if the coaches like it or not. I look for that to be a change in the near future as far as, you know, all the coaching changes that go on after coaches sign players. I think things need to settle down, and I hope that happens in the near future. But I'm looking forward to Wednesday. But not the way I used to, because I used to, as a coach, sit in my office. The fax line was there. Uh, they would be coming in, and coaches would be celebrating, and we had the board where we marked them down, and it was a big party. And then I gave the coaches one week off after signing date as far as a good job. And then I went through and looked at our budget, and I looked at who spent the most in recruiting and what did we get. And I used to evaluate my coaches sometimes that way. Look how much uh, you spent and uh, how many players did we get? Or 
or uh, look, you didn't spend much money at all, yet you got all these players, and maybe you need help in your area if you're not getting players with someone else. So it's it's a big process that a lot of people don't understand that happens. It's changed a lot now, but uh, it was an exciting day. Yeah, it's um, it was one of my favorite um, days of the year, and obviously that's changed with the early signing period. And I feel like, I mean, with with college football, we we talked about this before, not having a czar, not having a leader. Like you know, you have Roger Goodell who's going to try to create events throughout the year that you know or that's you know pure nfl um you know when you have the nfl draft and you're going to different cities it's a big deal to put like the biggest you know one of the biggest off-season events that you have in college football the you know signing day in february was cool like it it had its own thing you sort of extended the season and all that you essentially moved it to the middle of december while you're doing all this other stuff anyway um you're already getting a lot of attention at that time and so you basically took something away uh, where even like national media pundits would talk about National Signing Day. And you don't have to as much anymore because of the major programs. I mean, you've signed 85, 90% of your guys. So I I think it's something that's going to change. I think it should change, Coach. Um, you know, I, maybe people had, you know, there's always good intentions, right? They have ideas of what they would like to do, but it doesn't turn out that way. And it's just not working out well for the sport. It's not working out for the players because – coaches are moving i don't think it's working out for coaches because you got fired earlier there's just a lot going on there to to shoehorn it in in the you know the middle of december when you have teams coming off the regular season you've got you know the 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 coaching carousel already going uh preparing for bowl games there's just too much going on you know students are taking finals it's just too much going on for the signing period so um, hopefully they, they move it soon, but I, I really think they need to just for the betterment of the sport. Well, I agree with you hundred percent, Ryan, because you've got to compete for the market and, uh, the NFL is the smartest as far as marketing, the way they spread their things around. I think college football should learn from them that if you watch the NFL, the way they spread it around, they give it a two week hype is as far as getting ready for the Super Bowl. Then the next thing they have their big combine uh, they so everybody focuses on the combine and uh, along the way they have these all-star games that uh, keep you interested in all the uh, nfl players building up to the draft then they have their draft in april and uh, then they have their mini camps and then they have uh, fall camp when they go back and start to play again uh, so you know you've got to be able to spread things out in order to get the necessary publicity that you need. And I think college football tries to do too much during one period of time and doesn't really spread it out where people get a little bit of college football year round all the time. Yeah. You gotta you gotta spread it around. <laughs> it's just not being spread around really well right now. Um so you know, National Signing Day probably be pretty quiet. I mean there's a couple, you know, big names out there like a Josh Connerly Jr. is like the top ranked uh, tackle in the country. I mean, that would be good if USC can get someone like that. Um, but there's, there's just not a lot of, you know, names out there. You know, USC has eight signees already. The big um, way that USC is bringing in players through this cycle uh, is with the um, NCAA transfer portal. So that's the, you know, that's the, um, as far as additions go, that's where I think USC fans are focused on. Right now, the updated count, uh, since the end of last season, 33 players are out and 20 have been added. 12 of those 20 are through the transfer portal. So um, we'll talk about the big one that still hasn't announced yet, but there's eight signees, 12 transfers in. Um, there are 17, as of now, 17 transfers out. Um there was a couple, I think, since the last time uh, we talked. And, of course, nine players left for the draft and seven graduated without any eligibility left. So kind of reworking the roster, um, the you know, the turnover of 33 guys off the roster. I mean, Lincoln Riley talked about 35 or more. And I think you'll get to that number eventually. And, you know, just looking at the scholarship distribution chart that we've put up there, um, you know, that most, it looks like, you know, they're, they're starting to redistribute the 
scholarships a little bit more. They have uh, 10 juniors, 11 seniors, so that number's up. Still a big number at of 36 sophomores because that's where so many players came in. The 20 and 21 classes were essentially combined because nobody lost any eligibility. I think USC had like 93 players on scholarship um, last year. And so you, you're going to have to shed some anyway because they were allowed to have more than 85 because of the COVID year. Um, my count right now, they're down to 80. Um, you know, used to have like four or five special teams players. Now there's just one uh, on scholarship right now. But the one where you got to look at is the quarterback position um, where there's two scholarship players, former walk-on Mo Hassan, who's a redshirt senior that um, he's still on the roster and you know he's coming off a, a knee injury. And then Miller Moss, uh, redshirted last year, got to play in a couple games and had that touchdown pass against Cal um, to Katie Nixon at the end. So we got to see him for about a half of football uh, running the show. But that's it. Um you know, there's not a whole lot on the roster as far as quarterbacks go. I think they did a good job, like, you know, adding running backs, you know, added like a senior receiver like Terrell Bynum. Um, you know, they added uh, Bobby Haskins that uh, could potentially be their left tackle. They've added some defensive linemen, added a couple of linebackers. So the quarterback spot coaches what everyone wants to talk about. And of course, Caleb Williams, the former Oklahoma quarterback, is the name we've all been waiting for. And uh, poor USC fans are, have been waiting patiently, mostly, and they don't really know what to think at this point. It's just absolutely crazy that it's still going on. The, the drop dead date they were talking about, which apparently could be massaged is for, um, to, to enroll and be able to take part in spring practice was on Friday. So that was a few days ago. Now it's private school. It could be enrolled already. We just don't know. Um, there could be some announcement coming soon, early in the week. We've been thinking that for weeks and weeks. Um, so I just want to kind of get your thoughts, coach, on this whole Caleb Williams situation and, and you know, how it's taking so long and all of that. Well, I tell you, it's getting good publicity for USC as far as wondering what's going to happen. It keeps everybody alert nationally what's happening with the quarterback. Uh, I definitely think that uh, he's a Trojan. I think he's enrolled. This is all I'm thinking, okay? Uh, I don't have anything that would uh, tell you that it's definite. But it only makes sense. You hear any other schools talking about him? Not really. Uh, you look at where the best place for him to go. Well, it's USC. His coach went there. His, his coach uh, is the one that played him over a potential Heisman Trophy winner. The, he knows the system. He knows the offense. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows most of the coaches, so he can trust the staff. I mean, it only makes sense that for him to go to USC. And I think he's going to be a Trojan. And for some reason, he doesn't want to announce it yet. But I think it's going to be a big splash as far as what they're trying to do on signing day. This is, this is what I'm assuming because they're going to have a small class that he would more or less highlight, be highlighted by him signing. And everybody would be excited about him coming and sort of put the dot, dot on the recruiting class. I, I think this is what they're doing because, you know, he definitely wants to play spring practice no matter where he is. So uh, I would think that it just makes sense that he goes to USC and, I'd be really surprised if he went anywhere else. I don't see why he would want to, because he had all the success with his head football coach at Oklahoma, and he announced immediately after he left he was leaving Oklahoma. He just uh, wanted to go through the party a little bit more and look around a little bit, and I think that uh, Coach Riley probably told him, go ahead, have some fun, and he knew it was coming. Yeah, um, that's uh, I, I think it's well summed up, Coach. We just, you know don't know yet. My gut, you know, if I had to bet, I would bet that he ends up at USC. What's the delay? What's the holdup? Is it just creating more hype? Could it be something where you make a bigger splash on signing day? Um, it's all that, and the fact that you know, I talk to a lot of you know national uh, reporters that cover college football that are usually in the know about a lot of stuff like this, and. Everyone's just sort of like assuming he's going to go to USC, but they don't really know for sure. Um, you know, there's the NIL deals that could possibly be in place, and we can talk about that too. But there's a, there's there seems to be a bunch going on here, and what makes the most sense is he ends up at USC. I wouldn't be completely shocked if he if he went somewhere else, but I would be a little shocked. I mean, I feel like I feel like what you were saying that, um, you know, it just seems to fit and and work well. And for whatever reason, you know, taking your time to announce it. And I, I feel bad, Coach. The USC fans are just like all over our message board and Twitter, just like, what's going on? What's going on? 
Um, I can tell you a little, uh, you know, talk to a source at USC today. And if you do look him up in the student directory where someone had looked him up or his name up uh, last week and saw Caleb Williams, but it was like a science major or something. It didn't seem like it was the same guy. At least Akila Yor was reporting that it wasn't the, there was a Caleb Williams in the directory, but it wasn't the Caleb Williams. And, you know, we talked to Keely about this uh, on her last show uh, last week. Uh, but, you know, my source talked this morning. Uh, they looked in the student directory, the advanced search, all of that, and there wasn't a Caleb Williams. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean anything uh, that could, you know, could still be in there. But, um, yeah, a lot of a lot of people trying to do some sleuthing, Coach, <laughs> to figure out if Caleb Williams is at school or not. Right. And, you know, you can look around and they're smart enough how to put that down where they don't want something to be, you know, found out. And I think it's part of the plan. It was part of the plan all along. You don't hear anybody else talking about it at any other school or any other national newspaper from any of those cities. So they have nothing to report either. So I would I would be completely shocked if he doesn't go to USC. Completely. If you notice in all the portal transfers, they're trying to get him running backs, receiver type of running backs. They've got receivers coming in, a bunch of receivers coming in, and that's just building the arsenal around him. That's all it's doing, showing him that they they are trying to make him the type of football player he wants to be because he's only as good as what surrounds him. Believe me, you're not very good unless you have great players around you. You're not a very good coach unless you have great players that you're coaching. So uh, I think I really think it, it's a done deal. I'd be very surprised if it isn't. And uh, if it isn't, then I'd be – in shock as far as to USC because they got their quarterbacks there and I don't know who else is available, but Miller Moss or Mo Hassan, you better get ready to play some football. And they're really not Lincoln Riley's type of player. Yeah, They're not the athletic type of running quarterback that makes plays happen, like the second running back in the offense, quarterback draw and all these different plays that he runs. So uh, I would think for sure he's coming. Now, otherwise, you'd see him scurrying around trying to get somebody. Yeah, we'll see. Um, they picked up a uh, preferred walk-on quarterback uh, over the weekend as well. So, I mean, they're you know try to add depth a little bit, but certainly not going to be an impact guy like Caleb Williams. So we'll we'll keep up the breast of what's going on with all of that, which is kind of crazy. USC did have a junior day over the weekend. They picked up a commitment from uh, Aaron Butler as a class of twenty twenty four defensive back. A um, bunch of offers went out. We have a lot of updates up on uscfootball.com right now if you want to keep up to date what's going on on recruiting uh, for the 2023 class and beyond that like you said a 2024 dbd did commit uh, to the trojans he's a top 247 uh, player and if you're not a vip member a lot of those that content is vip you can sign up for 60 percent off right now which is crazy so go in there and do it um you know, your annual membership you get 60 percent off um, totally cheap, and then you can come and, and enjoy all the content for a year. It should be a really exciting next year uh, with Lincoln Riley starting with signing day and then going all the way through spring practice and fall camp and all that, and, of course, the 2022 football season. And the 2023 class should be significantly better with uh, the amount of high school players and five-star guys that he's already got uh, committed, and I'm sure they're going to keep building on that. And the junior day was a, a way to kind of jumpstart that recruiting as well. So make sure you go check it out on the front page of uscfootball.com. You can sign up uh, for 60% off your VIP. But do you guys used to do uh, junior days like this, Coach, and uh, get a bunch of highly ranked players to come on campus just to check it out You know, a year early? Well, not not this early. Uh, tell you, I think they're doing their recruiting too early. I think that you're making these kids stars before they're finished their high school uh, competition. Uh, I think that... Uh, uh, we used to send letters out. I think there should be rules on this. I think this is part of the changes that if there's reorganization, uh, I mean, what are you doing uh, offering a, a 10th grader, a 9th grader, a scholarship? I mean, everything could change so much. You know, it's like saying, you know, I'm going to date you for a while, but I'm engaged, but I still want to go out a little bit on you if it's okay. Uh, I mean, what are you talking about? I mean, I, I think that kids change their mind, coaches change their mind, players get hurt, academically you don't qualify. There's so many different things. I think you can says you should be able to send letters out uh, to a certain age group and uh, inform them that you're interested in them and so on. And after their last high school football game or some date uh, that they set that you can actively actively 
recruit them by meeting them and meeting their parents and going and watching them play and doing all the necessary things that you, you know, you're trying to do to to attract a player. I think that they go, they go, wait, this is ridiculous. I mean, as far as recruiting kids that are in the ninth grade, 10th grade, as far as going to be coming to your school. I, I mean, that so many things can happen that you're, I think, first of all, it's a waste of money. I think that your campus should be always open as far as kids coming and wanting to meet with you and watching practice and all of that. I would encourage that 100%. I would invite teams to come to our practice, entire teams, to come and watch our practice and become interested in, in our university or school. But to start having all these junior days and all these other things, they've got all these camps, they've got a season, uh, I just think it's just too much as far as uh, as far as what you're doing to the high school athlete before he becomes a, a student athlete at USC, and uh, I think it's very difficult to control. I mean the the parents and everybody else right now. The parents uh, feel as though they're the athlete. I mean they're enjoying the recruiting trips as much as the kids are. They enjoy all the whispering in the ear and this and that that's going on. So you know I used to tell parents and I still tell them now really. You can't tell a kid where to go to school. You shouldn't, and you shouldn't tell a kid who to marry, because those are probably the two biggest decisions a kid makes in his entire life, because they're long-lasting. So, you know, I, I think everybody is way out of line here as far as the parents, how much they're involved, and all the other part of recruiting that should be between the university and the student. Of course, home visits are so important. As far as going in and meet their people, they have to meet their family. It's almost like The Bachelor, where you go in and you talk to each other and and get to know each other and invite them to campus and show them the dorm they'd be living in and all of that. But all the things that go on now is ridiculous. And then, Coach, um, one other thing before we take a break here, I want to talk to you about the uh, USC's assistant coaches have been um, all. The, the all the ranks have been filled. They've hired all the, the assistant coaches you can have. You can have 10 assistants on your staff. And USC is actually going to make them available. Um, you remember they did this a couple years ago. I think when they hired all the new defensive coaches uh, for Clay Helton and Sean Snyder. And it was a really cool uh, experience just to kind of like sit down in a room with them. I think it was actually right before the pandemic hit. Um, and, you know, chat with them and, and get to meet them, you know, 15 minutes or so per coach. Um so, you know, we'll go, they're going to, you know, we'll hear from Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator, uh, Brian Odom, the inside linebacker coach, uh, Roy Manning, the outside linebacker coach, Dante Williams, the DB coach, uh, Sean Nua, the, the defensive line coach, Dennis Simmons, the outside wide receiver coach, Josh uh, Henson, the offensive coordinator in OL, Dave Nickel, the inside receivers coach, uh, Keel McDonald, the running backs coach, came over from Utah, and then Zach Hanson, the six foot seven uh, tight end coach for USC. So we're going to hear from all those guys uh, later in the week. Um, they actually moved the the date, but it'll be uh, on Thursday now. But is any you know of those guys, coach, anyone that you particularly wanted to hear from, or anything, anyone that you're like you know kind of interested in uh, hearing uh, hearing about? Well, you know, I know I all know they paid their dues. I know they all come from programs that win. I think that's very important to have winners around you, surround you with winners. The kids know they're winners, and they have a diversified staff as far as in different parts of the country and so on. And uh, I think that's good. And they know the area of recruiting, and they know what type of player that they focus on. They don't focus on a player that should be in Division Two to be at USC. USC should be recruiting the same student-athletes at Alabama and, and the rest of the country's recruiting. And I think they know if they want to get to that level, this is what they have to be in. This is then after they get them, then they have to coach them and keep them and let them mature and do the things that they need to do and coach them up and run the right offense and defense to to win football games. It's everybody's trying to win, so I think it's very important. I don't know any of them personally, so I want you to know that. I'm sort of shocked in a way that they didn't hire at least one USC graduate somewhere. I'm not trying to tell Lincoln Riley who to hire. But I made it a made it a point that when I went to places, I would hire at least one graduate from that university as far as being my representative that I th- thought that the, the past and the, 
the tradition of that university deserved to have a staff member on my staff. And I used him as far as understanding who the other alumni people were and helped me a lot with that. And I think that the, he would, uh, he, you know, when, when someone gets hired from your university, you're, you're happy to hear that he's back. Yeah. So I've been a little surprised on that, but again, you know, people have to hire who they have to hire that they want on their staffs. Uh, all right, coach. Well, why don't we take a quick break and we will come back and uh, answer some questions back in a minute. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, Coach, Harvey Hyde is back with us here on the Peristyle Podcast, and we are back. We're going to answer some questions. Uh, we have, let's see, Jack in New Jersey emailed in. Um, he said, back in 2011, Dijon Harris was diagnosed and successfully treated for sleep apnea. There are a lot of news articles written about his improved health and athletic performance after he was diagnosed and began treatment. This is not an unusual story. Sleep apnea affects one in seven NFL players. And successful diagnosis and treatment can be uh, chronicled to have helped the careers of more than a few professional athletes. This being said, and the often referred to underperformance of the offensive line and defensive line at USC, has there been any uh, initiative to screen and treat these athletes? It would only make sense to have your players performing athletically and academically at their greatest potential, and the cost of, uh, of such a program should not be a deterrent given the revenue source these players provide the university. I'm just curious because it was my job to be so. Uh, Jack in New Jersey. I haven't heard of anything like that, Coach. I know there's health screenings and things like that, but I haven't heard anything specific about sleep apnea. Is that something you've heard about before? No, I haven't. All I know is that we did some screening and we did some testing with uh, their eyes and hearing and, and different things like that because I found uh, sometimes that a kid would drop the ball sometimes in a pass or a defensive back would react slow to something. It's because the poor kid had never had his eyes tested before. So we would always do that to make sure that they could properly see, hear, and also, you know, do the things that were within the structure of the NCAA rules. But no, I haven't heard of any of the, the, the stuff that he's talking about. Yeah, like like Major League, right? Where uh, Vaughn, you know, he was like, he was a wild pitcher and then they give him glasses and then he's, you know, he could see and he could like throw, you know, pitch better. Um, yeah, that, but I know they they do, there's a lot of kind of health screenings that kind of go through, uh, for these athletes. We can try to find out for you and see, but that's not one I had heard of before, but thanks for the question. Um, this is from our buddy, Andy. He's out in, uh, on Calgary, Alberta. So, uh, we love the international questions. He says, Hey coach Hyde and Ryan coach, did your players wear a jacket and tie on game days? Do you think that is important? in the big scheme of things? And if yes, why? Thanks and fight on from Andy. Well, I tell you, we, uh, we used to, we used to, that used to be a policy uh, as far as uh, we went way back. When you go way back, it was the haircuts, it was the grooming, it was, a, it was sort of a, a price you paid to be a part of the team that people could pick you out because you were dressed a certain way and your hair was a certain way and all of that. 
I mean, I when I first coached football, I wore I wore a coat and tie, and wore wing tape shoes. I mean, regular shoes, not coaching shoes. During the year, I mean, it, we dressed up. I used to get my shoes shined, and then about within two seconds after warm up, warm up, they were filthy and so on. And when we played in the the rain and so on, we'd be a mess. But yeah, it used to be coat and tie, as far as even in coaching. And a lot of the kids couldn't afford uh, suit and tie, so we supplied a sport jacket and a tie. It was the color of the school. And I think it really looked great. It looked fabulous. But then uh, people started to get away from that. Some teams still travel like that. Uh, I think it's important to look good when you uh, when you travel on a plane or walk in a hotel. I think it's classy to have everybody look the same and People can identify you, but whenever you go as a team, people are looking at you at the airport. They're looking at you on the bus. They're looking at you with your police escort, who you are. And we even used to put the signs on the bus, you know, uh, who we were to make sure everybody knew it because we were proud of who we were. And in the lobby of the hotels, the rebels are staying here or whoever, uh, home of the rebels, you know, things like that. I think it's important to that they dress properly in the hotel, when they walk around the hotel, when they eat in the hotel, when they meet their parents in the hotel in the lobby. We think it's important to look good. So we got away from the coat and tie. And what we did is we took out of their stipend a a small amount of money and bought them all the same beautiful type of sweats, beautiful sweats that were the color of the school that they could keep. And uh, that way we weren't giving them something in their size, with their name on it, really classy. And we traveled in that. We wore it on the plane. Uh, We wore it in the hotels. And it just looked classy, just classy. So we always tried to wear our, be in our team colors so people knew who we were. We were proud of who we were and looked really sharp. Because I think it's an impression. You're representing the university. You're representing them on the field. And you always hear me talk about the uniform on the field. Well, people... People want to see you in person. They don't see you up close in a football game. They see you wear a helmet. You're a long ways away from the field. But when you're in a hotel or airport, when you walk through or you're riding a plane, I used to tell them, now, you guys, mind your manners in this flight. Do this and do that and do all the different things. Because we used to have certain charters when the uh, tenants used to say, oh, we're so glad we get you because we look so forward to your team traveling with us because when other teams travel with us they're breaking in the peanut thing they're doing this they're trying to get in the liquor there's all these different things so you know it's in it's the impression you never get a second chance at a first impression even if you don't say anything just the way you look the way you act the way you walk passes a message on so i think that's real important the the tie thing i i still see a couple of teams doing that but uh, as far as uh, it, now, I don't see them doing that. I see them doing the sweats. or And some teams are, are still pretty sloppy. And I think that sloppiness is the way they look, is maybe the way they play. And I don't, I don't like that. And if I was an administrator, I'd say, hey, this is what we're doing, whether you like it or not. Yeah, I kind of like when they dress up the same, if they're all wearing the same pullovers or windbreakers or whatever. Or just, you know, if it's a matching thing, I kind of like that. Um. We had uh, our, our buddy Rick from Vista called a few times, left a bunch of different voicemails, but kind of, I'll kind of um, pare it down for you. He said uh, a lot of it was about the finances. He wants to know how the money works for name, image, and likeness, uh, how the money works in recruiting. Is it essentially you paying the players? How do you distribute the money in recruiting? You already talked about some of your budgets in recruiting, Coach, so maybe you can talk about how, what programs do to spend that money. I know it's changed a little. Um, but he was like, are the richest teams just going to get the best players? And he also wanted, you know, thought about having Los Angeles be an advantage for name, image, and likeness. And the, you know, is a, is a portal, a bunch of places, a place where a bunch of guys that weren't wanted. Um, so there's a lot of different topics you want to touch on, but maybe we can start with some of the finances. If you want to talk about sort of like recruiting budgets and kind of what, you know, travel and, and how that works. Like, I know, I mean, he did ask about, uh, how many staff members you can have it's it's sort of become an arms race it's something i don't think was around when when coach was coaching but uh you can have your 
permanent assistant coaches, and those are the coaches who can be on the road, and that's a set number. But they can have a large support staff, and there's not really any guidelines of how big that can be. So you can send out many letters or text messages and you know electronic communication. And um, you know when kids come to campus, they have photo shoots and all kinds of stuff. There's a uh, the budgets have increased a lot, and there's a lot of different things that you know you can pay for. But it's coming from the athletic department, but any thoughts on, on that, coach? Well, as I said earlier, I think it's got way uh, overblown uh, as far as allowing and doing things. And if if they're doing it, we got to do it. And I think it's got out of control. We used to have, they've changed it. They're trying to save money on the, the penny things and spending millions on the things that they don't need to. If you remember, there used to be nice media guides. And there used to be nice stationery we could use. We used to use embossed stationery and cards so that when the letter came in the mail, you all knew who it was from. Uh, you know, they, they eliminated all that, the NCAA. It's too expensive. It's too expensive to have media guides. It's too expensive to have this or that. Yet, they can spend millions of dollars on a lot of other things that uh, really aren't necessary if everybody's working in the same rules and regulations. And, you know, uh, what's, what they need to do as far as a recruiting budget, uh, a recruiting budget can be unlimited. It depends how much money you have in the athletic department and how much your athletic director will give you. Now, we did not... When I was at UNLV, we did not go all over the country and recruit. We did it occasionally. We used Southern California and the state of Nevada. and We used Arizona and Texas and uh, a few players from Northern California. I felt as though that there was enough players in California that I could survive uh, without, uh, you know, UCLA, USC. We went into them. And Arizona State, of course, was always in Southern California. And uh, same other teams in the in the Pac-12, but we weren't afraid to go against the other teams in the Pac-12 at that time because they weren't the same type of programs that they were now. It's at Oregon and uh, Washington and those teams. Washington was always good, so we would go against them and get our share of players. And we didn't have the revenue that the Pac-10 had at that time or eight at that time. Pac-8, 10, 12. Uh, so, you know, we had to use our money in a way where uh, we made sure that we could host them and recruit them. And maybe we didn't fly everywhere, but we got there. We uh, we uh, did a lot of car recruiting. We didn't fly nationally everywhere. Uh, unless a student athlete was just so sincere about our hotel management program that the kid, no matter whether he was a three-star, four-star, whatever, he wanted to come to UNLV because academics was so important to him in our hotel management program that that made a big difference in where he was going to attend. Then we'd spend some money because it was necessary. But, uh, you know, we didn't waste money, but we utilized our money where we got the most out of our dollar. And, uh, you know, that's the way we did it. Now, I flew around everywhere because I had to because I'd be in three or four homes in one day all around this, during this recruiting period because our recruiting period was shortened. It wasn't, we had a contact and non-contact period of time where when you could talk to him, when you could see him, and when you couldn't. So, uh, you know, uh, every school is different. We had great facilities. I'll tell you, we knocked them dead when they visited Las Vegas. They couldn't have another visit like that ever, anywhere. I mean, Los Angeles, USC can give them that type of visit. But you can imagine the type of visit we gave them in in Las Vegas and uh, being that close to Southern California. I mean, you could commute and you could go home and your parents could always come and watch you play. And we developed a great program that way. And then we, we played Pac-12 schools or Pac-10 schools. We beat some. So we had a big uh, comparison. We played Big Ten schools. We beat Wisconsin. We played back at Wisconsin. So it was it was something that, that we built a program for what we can afford. But yet I used to tell people, our budget is unlimited. It's how we use our budget. It's not that we waste our budget. So our budget is unlimited as far as what we need, as far as what we want to do. And also, with Rick was asking about the NIL money. So I'll, I'll give a few thoughts and Coach, get yours. Um, so just remember, this is not a school paying a player. That's still not allowed. But it's the, the ability to make money off your name, image, and likeness. Now, we've seen... Uh, booster groups kind of get organized and pull some money and be able to essentially pay players that way. 
we don't really have any guidelines from the NCAA, so this could be getting out of control. Who knows? But there's, you know, the NCAA is asking the uh, Congress for some help here. I don't think they're going to get that. It just seems like the NCAA has just screwed this up so many times that we might get more wild stuff happening uh, in college football. But the good thing is players can make money off their own image. Um, you know, if you just have a YouTube channel that you have trick plays on that you're putting on there, you couldn't make money off that before you can now, or if you want to do a commercial for a car dealer, all those things uh, you're able to do. Um, and you know, there's some advantages of being in Los Angeles for name, image and likeness, but there's also disadvantages. Like if you're in Lincoln, Nebraska, and you're the backup guard, people will probably know who you are because everyone knows about Nebraska football. Like you're not making a, a, a nice NIL deal as the, with the backup guard at USC because I mean, they barely know who the quarterback is. Like you have to be the star player. The star players, I think can get really good treatment in Los Angeles because there's, you know, a bigger, uh, you know, pond to swim in. But I think you might have more up my, just my guess. You have more opportunities as a backup or uh, a non-star player at a college town where, Everyone cares about the college town. There's no LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard or, uh, you know, all the guys that are in L.A. already. There's already huge, you know, sports names in the pro world, and they don't have that in Tallahassee. So I think there's some advantages being in L.A., but probably some disadvantages too. And not every player in the portal is there because they couldn't make it where they were, as Rick asked about. Um, but there are definitely players that have done that. But sometimes it's just – you know, we've seen Heisman Trophy winners come out of the transfer portal. So that's certainly not – they couldn't make it there. Uh, they were just behind somebody else or the coach made the wrong decision. You know, Joe Burrow and the Dwayne Haskins stuff, you're going to hear about that a lot because of the, um, you know, what's going on. And, and, you know, he made it all the way to uh, the Super Bowl in his second year. Just crazy stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow was in the transfer portal. It wasn't like he couldn't make it. He just needed a different opportunity. So just a few thoughts on NIL, but it's not the – it's not the – the school paying the players, but any thoughts on all that, Coach? Right, I don't like it. I do not like that. I don't like that. And I first, first of all, you're separating your players. You're now again becoming like the NFL. Your quarterbacks make more than everybody else, and you know it's just another way of changing the rules. As far as before, this used to be all illegal. And that's why you don't hear anything from the NCAA. They more or less have disappeared. You don't even know what they do anymore. Those guys are stealing with their jobs. Uh, I mean, it's all now the college football playoffs, and they're afraid that they'll separate, so they got to be careful not to put it say too much, because they live off the revenue of college football, the NCAA football and basketball. So you know, I I think that uh, you know, I think a kid deserves to to get something for what he does, but I don't think he should become a millionaire. I think that an education used to be why you went to school. Kids don't think about an education anymore. It's where I can win when I can get to the NFL the quicker. Uh, all of that. Have you ever heard anybody in the portal that used to be saying, well, we couldn't get this kid because we couldn't get him in? Anytime a kid decides to go somewhere, now he gets in. I mean, there used to be transfer rules. Like, you got, if you're a junior, you got to have so many units that are uh, transferable into our. Uh, your major field. There, I don't hear anybody talking about that anymore. That's where the junior college kid had a disadvantage because he had to have 60 units, and so many of those units had to be transferable into his major field and all of the above. I don't hear any of that anymore. I don't hear anybody talk about transcripts and academics. It's all football. So I, there are a lot of kids that get a great, great education, and that's what it's was supposed to be about, an opportunity to meet your student-athletes. I think with Joe Burles was at Ohio or LSU his final year. He came in as a graduate. I don't think he ever was on campus until he went to football practice because he took all his graduate courses on, the, on Zoom, by, you know, by Zoom and so on. He never knew that no guy on campus. He was taken to just go to football practice, play, practice football, and go back to his house. I mean, when you look at this stuff, what type of college experience are you getting? I mean, what type of relationships as far as meeting people? So down the road, if you get into a business, you know someone that you want to work with or someone's going to hire you or 
the networking that goes on in college and your friends forever. I don't hear much of that anymore. It's all about money and playing and not that kids don't want to all play, but I think there's a part of it that kids are missing today as far as learning how to crawl, then walk, then run, and then grow up and become a man. Uh, this is what I don't like about what's going on right now. All right, Coach. Well, uh, that's sort of like the summary there on NIL and some of the finances. We have one last question from our buddy, uh, Sir Eric of Troy, and he sent a text message. And he said, Coach, why in the world would Georgia Southern be so happy to get Clay Helton? What does one actually say when all of the college, all of the college football world knows you literally wrecked the Trojan program? I mean – what answer could he give or could have given to make the athletic director say, wow, great, we got our man and have the fans cheering for him as well? Please, please, please tell me, Sir Eric of Troy. Um, I'll give you a quick thought here, Sir Eric of Troy, before I let Coach chime in. I mean, you look at the resume, you're Georgia Southern. You just hired a coach that won a Rose Bowl. That's a, like 99% of it right there. He won the Pac-12. I mean, you are talking about some, you know, that's that's a pretty major accomplishment for someone that's going to be coaching at Georgia Southern. And you look at it from USC's perspective, yeah, he was not a great head coach there. But if you're selling it as the athletic director at Georgia Southern, you can say, hey, we brought in a Rose Bowl winning head coach. Is anyone else in our conference doing that? Probably not. That's a, probably not having that in the Sun Belt all that often. But what do you think, coach? Well, uh, I have a different attitude. If you can't keep your job and win at USC, you're certainly not going to win at Georgia Southern. Because you uh, don't have the name of, of USC to be recognized with, the players that USC has. Normally, you work your way up from Georgia Southern to USC, from Georgia, Georgia Southern to uh, maybe a, an Iowa State or whatever. You know the progress of, of moving up. You don't go from one of the top in Alabama or one of these schools and going to Georgia Southern. If you can't win at Alabama, or if you can't win at USC, man, it's pretty tough to win at Georgia Southern, I would think. But you don't have all those other things working for you, an unlimited budget, Learjets, I mean, all the things that USC and these schools have. So I want to wish him the best of luck. I have nothing against Coach Helton, but uh, I was surprised. Uh, and uh, good luck to him. But that's not the hire I would be going with. Yeah, no, I mean – I agree with you, Coach, and uh, I think that's the level of job that Clay Helton should have had when he came on. But, you know, to, to take a step, a big step back like that, it's sort of like that's where you should have been about seven years ago. But if you're the school, if you're Georgia Southern, you can sell them on the fact that you this is a guy that won a Rose Bowl already. So uh, I think that's where, you know, what you can sell. But, yes, I, I'm not – I mean, I like Clay Helton. I wish him the best. Hopefully he does some really good things there. I would not be surprised if – you know, they have kind of some mediocre seasons and it just doesn't really work out, but uh, we'll see. Well, you know, let me tell you, they take their football real serious there, okay? Uh, you don't win in two years, you're gone. You take Georgia State and those guys down there and, and Georgia, University of Georgia, hey, they take football real serious there. So unless you get it done on the field, not smiling, this and that, I tell you, you're gone. So I want to wish him the best of luck there. So I hope he has a lot of players. He's got a great staff and he can get it done there because they don't put up in that country losing. No, uh, they do not. So we, we'll see. And uh, he's, you know, there's some familiar faces that are, are there with him. You know, Robert Steiner is going to be there. The strength and conditioning coach from USC last year. So uh, we'll see what happens. Um there's also a little bit of uh, kind of news. We mentioned at the top, great NFL weekend again, two weekends in a row, uh, just crushing it in the NFL. I really loved some of the imagery that was going around um, with Cooper Cup, obviously the the star Rams wide receiver who you know led the led the league in catches and touchdowns and receptions. I mean, uh, receiving yards, all that. Um, he posted something on his social media, coach, uh, as he embraced. Uh, with uh, Robert Woods, you know, the former Trojan, the great Trojan wide receiver. And, you know, he's out for the rest of the season with an injury. But Cooper Cup tweeted out, we're not here without Bobby Trees, 
No words to explain his value to me. Only the people in our building truly know his impact. Love you, brother, at Robert Wood. So really nice. It's been jumping around LA social media a bunch. And, uh, you know, he was a big part of that Rams team. Just really would have been fun to see him, you know, be a part of the Super Bowl experience. But, uh, you know, Cooper Cup, one of the best to do it out there, just giving uh, Robert Woods props. I agree 100%. And, you know, just to get let people know, uh, where the football program has been and where it is currently and where it's going is that the Senior Bowl is coming up. Not one player is in the Senior Bowl from USC. And there's been a long time where the talent of USC hasn't been represented in the Senior Bowl. That's the top at the top as far as what people think will be the first and second round draft choices and so on in the NFL. So I think that Lincoln Riley knows where it needs to go. And what needs to be done as far as getting the image and the Trojan football program back where it's supposed to be. Yeah. All right. Well, that's what the uh, that's the job of Lincoln Riley to get USC back to that. Um, you had a bunch of guys go early to the NFL draft. Uh, that's a positive, but you know, you'd like to see some of those guys that exhausted their eligibility be available for things like the uh, the Senior Bowl, but. Uh, all right. Well, why don't we, uh, I guess it's going to wrap it up um, for the coach Harvey Hyde. I'm Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed this show. We are going to be coming back. Uh, I think we'll have either Gerard Martinez or Chris Trevino on this week. Um, a lot of kind of stuff uh, in, in motion right now. So we'll get back to you on that and we'll try to get back on a regular tunnel vision schedule as well. But we want to hear from those assistant coaches later in the week. So we'll have some updates uh, later on after that. But for Coach Harvey Hyde, I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. Hope you enjoy the show, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.